All right, everyone. Hello and welcome into another episode of the Advantage and the Fiddle Picks YouTube channel. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Tuesday, September 26th. And on today's show, we are reviewing every single week four NFL game and talking every single gambling angle for them. We are talking opening lines. We're talking week ahead lines. We are talking betting splits. We're talking relative key numbers. We're talking about the betting trends. We're talking home field advantages, travel advantages, divisional games. We might even get into some ways to play some of this into a DFS angle or a player props angle. And my dog's already crying at me. She's definitely going to make a vocal appearance during this episode. Normally, I don't do live streams. I just do podcasts. She's a very regular appearance, but I'm able to edit those out. We're just going to have to deal with it today. Uh, I will feed her a little bit more food after the show. So let's start with the Thursday night game. The Lions are taking on the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers, after a 18-point fourth quarter comeback win, down 17-0 entering the fourth, come back to beat the New Orleans Saints, who dealt with that Derek Carr injury and were starting Jameis Winston instead. Now the Packers come home for a – actually, they were already home. They stay home for this short week game. Jordan Love looks to win back-to-back starts in Lambeau. Packers open as a plus-one home underdog in this game, and it's been bet out to plus-one-and-a-half. So we do see some money coming in on the Lions. But to me, and when I look at the splits right here, it's a very public handle. We're seeing 77% of the bets, 75% of the money on the Lions. So it's a very public-based bets and money splits. There's not too much difference to show there where the heavy money is coming on one of these sides. And the line movement just seems to be correlated with the amount of money on that side. And the book probably wanting to even out their exposure and go into this game with like a 50-50 on both sides where the house will say, we don't want to gamble today. We actually want you guys to just gamble against each other. And we'll take our 5% cut on every ticket, which, you know, when you pay a winning tax, you're ta- you pay minus 110 to win 100, you're paying a 10% winning tax. Of course, the losers um, don't pay any tax. They just straight lose their bet. It ends up being a 5% house cut on straight bets, and it looks to be the house wanting to position themselves into that sort of territory this week. That was loud, Bronny. Um, so I don't really recommend a public, I mean, a bet on the spread here. There's nothing really that you could signal to play into. If you are going to grab this number, make sure you grab the plus 1.5 for the Packers or the minus one for the Detroit Lions. That is kind of a big difference. We didn't go over the number one when I did the key numbers podcast. However, number one is the sixth most common outcome in NFL games. So when we are trying to get funny, we're doing a show over here, girl. All right, hopefully she'll just, I'll just stop giving her attention. Um, So when you see the number one and you go back and you remind yourself, this is the sixth most common outcome in NFL games, you have to say to yourself, I want the good side of that number on my side because NFL games occur with very regular frequency. So having the top six outcome on your side is very important relative to like the two or the nine, which don't happen as often. So if you're grabbing the Packers, you want to grab that plus 1.5 currently available at FanDuel. And if you're grabbing the Lions, you want to grab that minus one at DraftKings. In terms of the spread, one of my first bets for the week was on the over 45. I have a full unit on it. Let's talk about the totals in this game. Before the week three games even kicked off, we have these things called look-ahead lines. We have lines priced for week four even before anything in week three is played. And I was eyeing. I always go through the numbers. I do my capping process. I like to see where things stand, where the handles are before the games, where these lines close, and then where these lines reopen to help me establish where my bets are going to be. Maybe one day I will do a strategy podcast on how to handle look-ahead lines and what exactly I'm looking for, or maybe I'll just keep it as my little secret sauce for a bit. However, when I was looking at this line, I was looking at the over for a 46, and then it closed, and then it reopens at 45. So I was like, wow, I'm definitely looking for an over here. And then when I saw it start to tick up, I didn't jump on it right away because I'm like, 
why based on the splits and based on the previous number, is that line just going to reopen one point lower? We know 45 is a very key number. We know perhaps because of the public handle that was on the under to start, it was a 37% of bets, but 40% of the money on the over. So there was a 60% handle on the under. So that might be why it dropped down. But as soon as it reopened at 45 across the board, it started to tick back up to 45.5 and 46 pretty much at every book. So I don't know if you could still find any 45.5s on the market. Now, uh, 45 is a very important number. We just think of like a 24 to 21 lands on a 45. That's a very common outcome. Uh, you want to make sure you're getting these numbers, especially when you're talking about mid 40s. The only like mid 40s number I don't care too much about is a 42, but a 45, a 46, these start to be very important. Uh, you don't want to be missing these numbers. So if you're playing 45.5, maybe you play it for a lunch money bet on the over. If you're playing a 46, you might as well just skip it. I don't really know how much more closing line value you could obtain on that line. Let's talk about the uh, Atlanta Falcons visiting the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Atlanta Falcons open as a three-point road dog. They are have been the sharp side of every single game they've played in this season. I've been backing them in a million ways and one. Uh, I played them in week one. I played them in week two. I have a maxed out exposure on their futures portfolio. I'm playing their over eight and a half wins. I'm playing their odds to make the playoffs. I'm playing their uh, odds to win their division. And I don't think I've played anything beyond that, but I definitely have units across the board on those bets. I took a week off for week three. Lucky I did. And uh, I come back now, back in on the Atlanta Falcons. The Jaguars and the Falcons have both been teams that we've seen possibly emerge this season. If we were to pin one team from the AFC that we'd say might take a big leap forward preseason, we were looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars. If we were talking about which team might take a big leap forward from the NFC, it was possibly the Atlanta Falcons. Now, let me tell you the difference between those two thoughts preseason. The one on the Falcons was coming from really smart gamblers looking at schedule splits, travel schedules that they play nearly every single game at one o'clock that they don't have. Uh, they don't really have a lot of national TV games. It's a very straightforward, easy schedule. On the flip side, the Jaguars seem to be the public darling. There was a lot of sharps even on the Titans or even on the Colts in that division who are starting out two at one. And the Jaguars, it was like a proceed with caution because the, the way they were priced as the preseason favorite in their division was like, you can't really play that. So there wasn't much money on the Falcons unless you were I mean, on the Jaguars, unless it was a public line. But the uh, Falcons have been a very playable team. Hold on. Let me put Bronny outside real quick. Sorry about that. Let me know in the comments how annoying Bronny is. I apologize. Uh, so I'm on the Atlanta Falcons plus three, and I actually got this for no vig at Caesars. You could find this at like minus 105. Now it might still be a plus 100 at Caesars. You really want to make sure you're grabbing the plus three here. I do think this drops to 2.5, and I do think this is some reverse line movement brewing in the market. So what is reverse line movement and why do we love it so fucking much? It's because now we talk about, we talked about this in the previous game where I said the house isn't really gambling here. If we get to a point where this Falcons line moves to 2.5, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm probably sure it's all gentlemen watching, this is reverse line movement. It is the house entering the gambling market and joining the Falcons side. And when, when that happens... When we see the line move from three to two and a half for in the biggest, most important spot in terms of key numbers in the NFL, that three to 2.5 is everything. And we see only 22% of the money right now on the Falcons, then that is reverse line movement. So seeing this line bounce around a little bit, if it moves to 2.5, that's a wildly massive indicator. If it moves to 3.5, it would be tough to be on the plus three, but you're still, you still have the push instead of a straight out loss, instead of obtaining the win with the 3.5. So it's not as big of a deal. The difference between 2.5 and 3.5 
much more significant than three and 3.5. So I'll grab that plus three at no VIG at all. By no VIG, I mean I'm bet 100, win 100. There's no minus 110 happening here. I got that on Caesar Sportsbook, and I suggest you guys do too. Um, the total seems to be trending towards the under. It, it uh, was the week headline was a 45.5. Then it reopened at 43, and it hasn't moved at all. There's definitely some money on the under. That's probably why it reopened a few points less. But I don't feel comfortable playing a Falcons under right now. This team, even though they're so run heavy, they move the ball. We call them the Frisky Falcons for a reason because they know how to put up points. So I'm expecting the Falcons to be able to move the ball. And I'm expecting this Jacksonville Jaguars offense to potentially pick it up the pace a little bit because we know Doug Peterson midweek three took over the play calling duties and he's back in Trevor Lawrence's ear. And that's always kind of been. Doug Peterson's claim to fame. He's a great quarterback guru, great play caller, came up with the Philly special, has a statue of himself outside M&T Bank. I think that's where the Eagles play. So uh, if Peterson's going to be calling the plays and we on the other side, the Falcons who are, can run the ball with authority, this game might actually go over. And so I don't want to bet an under if we've already missed two points of movement in an under market. It's like, eh, that kind of feels dead and gone to me. Miami Dolphins, the hottest team on the face of the earth right now, are playing at Buffalo against the Bills. And we have another spot of reverse line movement. This line opens at two and a half across the board. The Dolphins coming off the biggest win. I mean, like imagine a 50-point win putting up 70 points in a week. That's insane. And for some reason, now why would this happen? Why would there be 21% of the money on the bills and that line move from minus 2.5 to minus three? Because the books want you guys to bet on the Miami Dolphins. So I will not be doing that. I will try and find any remaining 2.5 on the board. And that's where I would play into. Now, let me quickly check for you guys. If there's a remaining 2.5, there is. At Caesars, it is at 2.5, juice to minus 120. At WinBet, it is minus 2.5, juice to minus 120. I still think those are definitely grabbable. Grabbable? Is that a word? I think those are definitely playable because you know if you're getting that hook, even though you're paying an extra 10 cents on it, it's worth it, and you're playing into reverse line movement. And historically, even though this is a divisional game, these teams know each other. The Bills have had the stronger hand in this in this divisional series. The last two games, the Bills look really strong, like they're coming on again. They're going to be the home team. Bills Mafia is going to be louder than ever. Uh, we're seeing a lot of money towards the over. Line opened at 49.5. It's now up to 53.5. A lot of public money on the over. It's 80% of the bets, 78% of the money. So it seems to be a large public handle just bringing this higher and higher. In a divisional game, I can never play like this high of an over. I've talked about this a thousand times. Divisional games will lead to less scoring. These teams are familiar with each other's schemes and what they're trying to run, which means you get a situation where you the defense is more prepared, they know the players' tendencies, and they could cut things off with better efficiency. So I'm not going to play the total, but I do like to see the total trending north if I'm backing a favorite. It is easier for a favorite to cover a spread, especially a spread as little as 2.5, when there's going to be 54 points scored in this game. I mean, if this is going to be a 35-point game like the like the Jets-Patriots was assumed to be, it becomes harder to cover a spread. So when you have a low spread, high total, you could feel more comfortable backing the favorite, especially in a market where we see some reverse line movement, a divisional game where these teams know each other and you're playing into the home field. Another divisional game is the Baltimore Ravens visiting the Cleveland Browns. We have... This line opened at minus 2.5. It stayed at minus 2.5 the whole time. We have, seems to be uh, smart money on the Browns here. Browns defense has looked fantastic. My best bet was on the under at 44 and a half before week three even kicked off. So this was one of those look ahead lines that I played. Again, I knew this was one that I actually bet into because of the splits, because I knew in week three, there was movement towards the under in both the Browns game. It was Browns, Tennessee, and then it was Ravens, Colts. They were both coming down towards the under. 
We had a divisional game look ahead. We had splits showing that it was going to be an underspot next week. And we had the key number of 44 and a half where you get that hook on a very key totals number. Uh, 44 is like the third most common outcome. We go 41 most important, 42nd most important, 44th third most important. It's simply one more field goal from that 41. So that's why it happens so often. Uh, I grabbed that under 44 and a half. It has been bet down all the way to 41. We are seeing 54% of the bets, but 94% of the money here on the under. So this is like a staggering amount of money. It invites the idea of entering a buyback, having the 43, 42, 41 all on your side and the 44 because I have a 44 and a half. It invites that possibility for a strong buyback. However, there's no reason for me to do it yet because with 94% of the money and only things been trending south on this line, there's no reason to re-enter this market yet. Let's see if it gets to 40. Let's see if it gets crazy enough to get to 39.5. Let's see if we even get to 40.5 and we get that hook on the 41, which I just said is the second most common outcome in NFL games. So for these reasons, 41 is the most important. I don't know why. I always screw that up. It's because even though 41 is the most important, 40 is the second most important. It's always weird for me in my brain when I'm speaking fast on a pod to use the higher number first and then backtrack and say the lower number is this. It, it's just confusing. I hope you guys understand. Anyways, 41 most important totals number. And it sits right at that number. If you haven't bet it yet, I actually do think you could still bet this towards the under because the splits show show so strongly that the handles disproportionately there that this line can't really bounce back unless a sharp group came back in on the over 41, which I don't think is going to happen because they're all going to be waiting for a potential 40.5 or 40. Uh, let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Houston Texans. This was the first bet that I gave out of the week after the lines reopened, and I saw a 40.5, and I grabbed it. I grabbed the over 40.5. 40 at the time, we were seeing 53% of the bets, 87% of the money on that over. And now it's climbed up to 42 or 42 and a half. So this is probably one of my strongest bets of the week. Go me, obtaining strong two points of closing line value without any injury news or big news drop. This is just a straight good bet. I got it early. The line is moving and it's never going to go back that far. Uh, on the other hand, I only bet half a unit on it. Because I was betting the over in the Steelers visiting the Houston Texans game. So it just felt gross. It felt like I would be zero surprised at all if this game ended 16 to 10 or 13 to 10. And it was one of those games. And I look like a complete schmuck being on the over 40.5. Now that it's at 42 or 42.5, I wish I played it stronger so I could have had more buyback opportunity and created a middle and lowered my exposure and done things like that. At half a unit and with CLV, I'll probably just let that rock and just keep it there. I don't think I'm going to open a buyback only having a half a unit of exposure. Uh, doesn't excite me enough to then forego that closing line value that I've obtained. When I bet a unit and a half, I'm willing to buy back half a unit, three quarters of a unit on the other side, open up a positive middle revolving around very key numbers. I've talked about this a lot. Middles with minus 110s. You have a 5% implied probability. I mention these things all the time because I hope that you guys come back every week on these live streams and start picking up these pieces, that you start picking up how important 41 is. You start picking up how important 40 is, how important 44 is, how a middle, if you have minus 110s on both sides, has a 5% implied probability. And then if we stack the outcome frequencies of these numbers in the middle, you realize that you have above a 5% chance of hitting a middle. So if you juice your exposure early in the week when you know you're going to obtain closing line value, you're only doing it not because you want two units on that line, because you really want half a unit or three quarters of a unit on that line and the opportunity to open up a middle. They both present value. So you take both of them at once. The NFL market is so sharp. These lines are so good. It is unbelievable what the books can do in pricing and predicting these games that we have to succumb to the fact that they know more than us and we can play into how sharp these lines are by creating, even though these small middle spots, they're still valuable. So 
Uh, I think I was talking Steelers-Texans, and that's an overspot. In the spread, it's opened at three. It stayed at three the whole time. Home Texans look like the smart spot. Uh, They're getting the majority of the money, plus you're getting that plus three before it moves to plus 2.5. If you want the Steelers in this spot, just wait. Just wait until you get a minus 2.5 and then play it. Uh, I do think this makes for a game where you don't really want to touch. Both of these teams actually look surprisingly good recently. And you don't know if you were being tricked and fooled by a small three-week sample size or really just two the last two weeks for both of these teams. Really one week for the Texans, two weeks for the Steelers. But yeah, I, it's 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 it feels like a stay away with two two gross teams who might be emerging. Two very young quarterbacks, one brand new head coach, two pretty good defenses, and I'm playing it over. So there's there's a strong market signals, but my sentiment doesn't feel the strongest about it. Let's talk about the Rams visiting the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are the division leaders. I don't even, I don't know what the name of that division is, but it's the uh, Texans, Colts, Jaguars, Titans, and the Colts are two and one in the lead. They're open as a minus one point favorite against the Rams. It's now out to minus 1.5. I would have jumped on this from a look ahead spot because I love backing the team that's not playing on Monday night before Monday night kicks off. However, the reason why I didn't play into it was because the Rams were the clear sharp side on Monday night. So if the Rams came through and ended up winning on Monday night or covering on Monday night, you would have expected them to maybe, you know, become a pick or I wasn't going to foresee that much of closing line value to be obtained, especially moving between this 1.5 and 2, because 2 is not really that important. And I really didn't think this was getting out to 3 without a significant injury. And at the same time, we don't know who's going to be at quarterback for the Colts. Is it going to be Anthony Richardson? Is it going to be Minshew again? Is Richardson out of the concussion protocols yet? What's the deal there? How much practice and preparation time is he going to get? How uh, efficient is Shane Steichen's offense going to be against an Aaron Donald and McVay defense? And then we're also seeing a lot of movement towards the over in this game. Opened at 45.5. It's now, uh, or it actually opened at just 45 on the nail. I missed that. I wish I had grabbed the 45. It's at 47 right now. 80% of the money, 43% of the bets. That Rams Colts over is a very sharp side this week. Trust me when I say no one from the public was betting the Rams-Colts over at 45 or 46 before this line ticked to the north. This is a very sharp spot. Now that it's at 47, I don't know if I want to play it, but I'll give you guys the option to know there's some real smart money on this over. It scares me. Because similar to Steelers-Texans, I don't want to look like a schmuck when this game ends 23-17 and it's a 40-point game and you bet the over by more than a touchdown more than that. So you guys decide, but smart money on the over. The Cincinnati Bengals take on the Tennessee Titans. Now, this is the one where I almost did the best and maybe have done the worst. I'm really confused where, where I sit right now. And my general sentiment before we get into the specifics of this game is do not bet it if you haven't bet it yet. Do not bet this game if you have not already bet it. Now, I will speak to it because I would assume a few people in here have tailed the bets that I've already given out so far. So let's talk about them. I gave out Titans plus 1.5 in a look-ahead line. And I gave out the under 44 in a look-ahead line. Now, why did I give out the Titans? Plus 1.5. Well, Titans were the sharp side of week three. Remember, they were my favorite bet of last week. We had a horrible week. We didn't, Titans were part of that loss, but that didn't negate the fact that going into the week and where when I played Titans for week four, I had no idea that Titans were going to shit the bed in week three. So I played the Titans plus 1.5 because of the sharp side, because knowing they were a home dog. And because knowing I'm not a trends better, but there's certain few things that I'm willing to play into. And those often revolve around NFL coaching statistics. I've talked about rah-rah Mike Tomlin. Tomlin as a home underdog is an absolute king. The other person that sits on the throne as a home underdog is Mike Vrabel. Mike and Mike and Mike. I guess we're the three best dogs in the market. So Mike Vrabel actually has an 
outright 65% win rate as an underdog. Flat out, period. 65% win on the money line as an underdog and over 70% cover rate on the spread. Now, getting that 1.5, of course, we've talked about the one is the sixth most common outcome. It's not like, I don't like overly think that this game is going to end in a one point game, but we do have the good side. It's now moved out to 2.5. I don't really care too much about that difference. Watch this game end in a two and me be the schmuck with pie on my face now. Uh, I don't really care about that difference. It's not too big of a deal. I did not foresee this going to three with the Bengals having potentially Joe Burrow missing the week against the Rams and that uncertainty in the market. This was not going to get back to three. So I felt comfortable playing the 1.5, not caring that it's at 2.5. Of course, now, if I hadn't bet it, I would bet the Titans plus 2.5. Would I, though? Maybe you would just wait to see if this gets to three. If it gets back to plus three, you definitely bet Titans plus three. Otherwise, I like the Titans plus 2.5, but it might be a stay away, and I wish I had waited on it because right now I have negative CLV, and that doesn't do the job. Let's talk about the total. I grabbed the under 44 in this game in a look ahead spot for a lot of the reasons I've talked about 44 being a key number. These two teams having great defenses. uh, These two quarterbacks really struggling the uncertainty around Burroughs injury. Was he going to be out versus the Rams? Was he even going to miss the following week against the Titans? Like if the, if the Bengals went Oh, three, were they going to put Joe Burrow out there for a week four? who knows? It was getting dicey and the split suggested it to be a strong under spot. So I grabbed that under, 44 and I bet it. Then I came around and I saw it reopen at 42.5. And then I looked at the splits again and more money was coming in on the under and the line moved to 43.5. Now I said to myself, why would money be coming in on the under and it moved north to 43.5? And I remembered the look ahead line was 44. I already had exposure there. And this seems to be reverse line movement happening on the 42.5. So I grabbed that over 42.5. Perhaps it was because Burrow was announced as playing for that Monday night game that the line started ticking back up. And then perhaps he ended up looking like shit again last night on Monday night football. And then him saying, even after the game, we have Diana Russini of the athletic reporting today that he's really sore and that he's not walking well and things like that. So now it invites uncertainty for the next week. Um, it's not great that I re-grabbed the over at 42.5, seeing reverse line movement, and now it's at 41.5. And I've re-tilted my exposure towards being on the over 42.5 because I actually bet it for a half unit more than I put on the under 44 originally. So what I'm trying to say is I fucked up. Now, I said I fucked up on the last week with the uh, Giants... 49ers bet where I grabbed the under 45 instead of the over 42 and a half by kickoff. I ended up being right and ended up winning the bet. It ended up closing at, at uh, 42.5 and landing at 42. So me being actually tilted towards the wrong side early in the week. And when I did the slate breakdown ended up being okay, but because we have this bouncing nature in the market, this uncertainty around the burrow injury, uh, strong splits that show it to be an under spot, but even m- movements of it coming back over To me, it feels like a complete stay the fuck away from this game. Now, deep down within, I kind of still think you could play the Titans plus 2.5. Seeing as it's there's still 81% of the money on the Bengals, and because Burrow just came back and got a win, wait on that and see if you're that much cooler than me where you end up getting a plus three and I'm sitting there pie on the face with a plus 1.5 and hoping it hits. But you play, wait for that plus three. If you don't get it, you can play a plus 2.5. The Commanders are taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. This is a public bets and public money on the Eagles. This is a nothing really learned to be gained from this spot. Uh, They open as a minus 7.5 favorite. It is now up to 8. Now, why do you guys think that it would move up from 7.5 to 8? with a lot of public money. What do you think people are doing to this line that it's going to make it juiced up a little bit on the Eagles side? What could possibly be happening? What kind of bets are people putting that Eagles minus 7.5 in? 
Now, if you're thinking to yourself, they're using them in teasers, you are definitely right. So I'm sure a lot of people grabbed the Philadelphia Eagles minus 7.5 and brought it down to a minus 1.5, ended up crossing the 7 and the 3. And that's why it's been juiced up to eight, even though it's such public money. They just wanted to, they want to give you less value on the teaser going from eight to two, a little less valuable than going from 7.5 to 1.5, because of course, simply having a minus 1.5 is better than now having a minus two, which is where your teaser ticket would currently land if you played the same bet. So that's why I think it has moved. And then in the total, we are seeing big money on the under, big money on the under. We have 46 is the opening line. 44.5 is where it's at now. And I'm just wondering how much further does it go? Because there's such strong money on the under. 85% of the money, only 45% of the bets. So it shows you that the smart people, the sharp minds are betting the under pretty heavily here. And the public's coming in on the over. 85% of the money. But I don't know how much of that money came in on the 46 versus how much of that money came in on the 45 or 44 and a half where it sits now. So the fact that it's at 44 and a half now across the entire market makes me feel like I'm interested, but I'm not buying yet. I would like to see this go to 44 or 43.5 at a few places and then grab one of the last 44.5s remaining on the board. I don't know if I just want to grab a 44.5 and play it outright because 45 might have been the correct relative key number for this game. And that might have been why it moved from 46 down to 44. And if you ever play a line after a significant line movement and then it lands in that CLV closing spot and you actually should have been on the under 46 and then potentially buying back some over 44.5. And that's when you hit that 20 to one middle. That's what really is the breadwinner. And now you find yourself just following steam on an under 44 and a half and missing the key number. Now being on the wrong side of the bet because it lands at 45. That is schmuckery. That is not where you want to find yourself. It is tough to sleep at night. Uh, Those ones keep me awake and keep me spinning. I don't really, uh, my losses don't really get to me. But when I, when I'm like a sucker for steam movement and then it lands in the CLV spot, that's like my one pet peeve of betting. or being a line movement capper at that. Uh, what's the next game we're talking about? Denver Broncos visiting the Chicago Bears. This is the someone's got to win game of uh, week four. We had the someone's got to win game of week three was the Chargers Vikings. The someone's got to win game of week four is certainly the Broncos versus Bears. The only difference here is that these teams actually suck. Whereas the other one, we thought these teams could actually be good and we're just sucking. These teams actually suck. Uh, Bears open plus three. It stayed at plus three. I actually opened at, uh, it actually opened at minus 2.5 at some places and minus 3.5 at some places on the Broncos side. And I think these two just met in the middle. I think they realized like when two books open, like if, if Caesars opens at minus 2.5, and DraftKings open at plus 3.5, you should just immediately play both. Immediately. Right away. Because you know you have that advantage. I didn't see it, and that's why I didn't do it. You know you have that advantage of 17 or 18% of these games end on the three. About 67% of the time, it's the favorite who wins, which means there's like a north of 11 near 12% chance that it's the favorite who wins by three and you're paying a 5% implied probability when you grab these things. So if you have an 11% chance of winning and you're paying 5% chance in the odds of the tickets that you're paying for, this is a no-brainer plus expected value bet. Like that's a no-brainer ticket to put in. So if you can grab a minus 2.5 and a minus 3.5, you do it blindly at the same time, no matter what. Now I didn't do it here. I didn't see the lines. And now it's settled at the three, and there's no chance that I want to play any of this. Uh, at the 46, uh, there was some, where was I? It's It was it opened at 45.5. It's come up to 46. There's definitely strong indicators to play the over. This is one that I haven't bet yet, but I have my eyes on. Um, but, like, again, if the Bears-Broncos game, I think it's the third time I've said this, there's some ugly games on tap for week four. If the Bears-Broncos game ends as a 13-10, to 10, as a 16-10, to 10, as a 
20 to 14 game, I will be zero surprised at all. And I will feel like a schmuck for simply playing the over 45.5 or 46 because that was the market angle. When we get to week four, we can say to ourselves, okay, we don't need to take every market angle. Let's start to evaluate these things with some sentiment and feel and then bet into the spots where our sentiment and feel correlates with the market angle. When those two things align, we have a beautiful best bet to give out. And that does not exist on this Bears Broncos total. Not at all for me. But if you want to play it, if you are listening to this podcast and you are saying, okay, Sean Payton historically has great offenses and he's going to get this going. And Russ actually hasn't looked too bad. And they just let up 70 points and scored 20 of their own. They were in a 90 point game. I'm taking the over 45. That's half of that. And on the flip side of this, the Bears just allowed 48 to the to the Chiefs. They get walloped on defense. They're probably going to be better on offense. I mean, it's the only way there's only one way to go is up at this point. And they're going to be at home against a team that they will probably have more success running the ball. This uh that Chiefs team is great stopping the run early this year. So kudos to them. But if you are agreeing with the sentiment of like, oh, there are reasons to back the over, then you could play into it because the market play does show it to be an over spot. I'm just not going to do it myself. Let's talk about the Vikings at Carolina Panthers. Opens Vikings minus 3.5 a lot of spots. Uh, even opens Panthers plus four. Vikings minus four at some of these spots. Difference between 3.5 and four. It matters. It's not as big as the 2.5 to 3.5. It's not as big as the 6 to 7. It's not as big as getting off the 7 to a to a 7.5. But the 3.5 to 4 does matter because simply the difference between a touchdown and a field goal is 4 points. So if, you know, if it's tied 17 all, one team kicks a kicks a field goal, the other team goes and has a game-winning touchdown drive, it ends in a four-point game. So we do see a fair amount of four-point games happening. So if you're going to grab the Panthers, make sure you get that plus four. If you're going to bet the Vikings, make sure you get that minus 3.5, especially when there's both in the market. Let's talk about the splits, though. I see this moving more to the Panthers plus four. I see the Vikings going from a minus 3.5 to a minus four at most places. Given the splits, given that there's like 90% of the money on the uh, Vikings side, given the fact that they are still a high-powered offense, despite how bad they've been, I can't really back a road favorite that's 0-3. That's tough to do. But smart money shows Vikings to be the side for this game. I do know people who are on the Panthers who I really respect in this market. I will not be following them. There's 9% of the money on this side. I don't think I think that there's a chance that this even gets out to 4.5. We have to see who's playing quarterback for this team. I would much prefer it to be Andy Dalton over Bryce Young. I, that doesn't last for years. That lasts for a week four game. Right now, Andy Dalton is a better quarterback than Bryce Young. And he provides more value to the Panthers spread. So let's wait till we see who is playing a quarterback. Let's wait to see how far this line goes. If you want to bet the Vikings, you grab it now at the minus 3.5 because you're not going to see that again. In the total, open 44.5. It's 45.5 everywhere. We've missed the 45.5, and I don't feel comfortable playing it anymore. Say it again to you guys. You guys can know that it is the smart market angle to play the over in the Vikings-Panthers game at 45.5. If you feel comfortable playing that over, then it is the smart side for this game. There's a good chance that it keeps going further. But having missed the 45 is a tough break for me. I don't know that this is going to get out to 46 and a half or 47. I can see it closing on the 46 pretty easily. Me missing the 45 makes me feel, nah, I can skip it. But it is a good bet to be on the over for this game. Uh, and that also correlates with playing that Vikings minus 3.5. because We talk about overs and favorites being correlated. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Two and one going to New Orleans to play the two and one New Orleans Saints. Line's been at three the whole time, and I really want the Saints, but we're seeing 69%, uh, 59% of the money on the Bucks, even though the smart money is on the Saints, 34% of the bets, 41% of the money. So bigger bets are on the Saints side, but more money in the market is on the Buccaneer side. Likely has a lot to do with the Derek Carr injury. A lot of quarterbacks being injured this week. Let's wait and see on this quarterback situation. 
Uh, if Derek Carr is playing and we can still get this at the three, I'm so in. And then side prop, really good prop for this game. Does Mike Evans get suspended? Yes. Right? Who does he always battle with on the on the Saints? There's a Saints defensive back that Mike Evans always goes for blood with. So one of them is getting ejected in this game. Uh, that'll be a side show to watch. And I don't think you could actually bet on ejections. Uh, the Chargers are playing. Oh, let me quickly say I'm eyeing the over 40.5 for that because of the splits. There's been no movement. So I'd like to see some 41s pop up before I get in there. But I could see this is a game where 40 it closes at 42. And I'm not even sure the difference between Jameis and Derek Carr even matters that much for it. I would rather have Derek Carr for sure. So let's let's hope it's that. But uh, I think I think the over 40.5 is certainly playable this week for that Saints home game against the Buccaneers. Even though it's a divisional game, that total is pretty low for uh, two offenses that have a lot of deep threats and big playability guys and the return of Alvin Kamara. So we'll see how that invigorates the Saints offense a little bit. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders are playing the Chargers, another individual game. This one playing in L.A. I'm in San Diego right now. So this is about an hour and a half up the road for me on the I-5 to SoFi Stadium. We are seeing a lot of public money on the Chargers, and we are seeing absolutely no line movement. So we're seeing sharp money on the Raiders. Still a larger public handle on the Chargers side, so this line's not moving. but. I don't understand why I played it last week. I'm not sure if I did it prior to that. I don't know why the Raiders continue to be the sharp side for these teams. I don't get it. I'm done playing into it. Jimmy G looks tough. And Rich Geiner, if you're still in here, can we hear a word from you as to why these Raiders stink on ice? Because you are the biggest Raiders fan that I know. So maybe you could provide us with the insight. But I don't feel comfortable backing the Raiders at a plus 5.5 in a range where it's not going to obtain very valuable CLV. If it goes to five, if it goes to 4.5, those aren't the most important numbers. So eh, I don't really want to grab it. Uh, I don't think this is getting to three. I don't think this is getting to seven. We call this the Vegas zone where it's been, it's floating in that five and a half range where no one really knows how to price this game. And they're just making it a stay away for everybody. Uh, the total on this game is 47.5. The splits show it to be an underspot, but there's been absolutely no movement. Uh, you'd find me hard-pressed dead to uh, bet an under in a Chargers game right now. Not as not only is their offense firing on all, all cylinders, their defense is atrocious. So I feel like every game that they've been in this season has been a 50-point shootout. So I'm not going to bet an under 47.5 in their games, but it is the sharp side. If you feel like that's the sharp side that you want to be on, then, it, then just like the Broncos bears over. Just like the Vikings Panthers over, these are the strong market sense of these sides. I'm just not playing them. So the Raiders Chargers under 47 certainly fits that category of being a sharp side. And you could still get the opening line there if you'd like it. Uh, New England Patriots plus seven, plus six and a half some places. Go grab a Patriots plus seven. Pause, pause me right now and go do it. There's a few of them left. Uh, I could tell you where. Give me a second. DraftKings plus seven, points bet plus seven, Caesars plus seven. Okay, so there's, there's still a few, but points bet's the only one that's minus 110 still. So DraftKings is minus 115, Caesars is minus 120. The only minus 110 on a plus seven remaining on the Patriots is that uh, points bet website and. This is reverse line movement at its finest again. So we are seeing 48% of the money on the Patriots. We're seeing this line drop. We know that the public are probably going to be backing these Cowboys, America's team, at home again. Bounce back win coming. Patriots are 1-2. and two. I've talked about the Patriots being the best-looking 0-2 team that I've seen this season. And now they go into a second road game after coming off a road win against the Jets. I like what the Patriots have put together this season. So I will play the Patriots plus seven. I also play the Patriots on the plus 260 money line. And I'm also comfortable playing the under 43 and a half. So I've split up a little bit more than a unit in a few spots. Uh, I have a quarter of a unit on the money line. I have a half a unit on the spread. 
And then I have a third of a unit on the under. So I'm split up in a few places. You never want to be overexposed. You want to know that unders, underdogs, and underdog on the money line are all super correlated. So I'm not throwing units at each of these bets like I would in some other spots. I'm stacking together the few spots that I like within this game for the same amount of exposure. So that's how I'm approaching this Patriots-Cowboys game. Go Patriots. Uh, I'm also a from New York and used to be a Giants fan, so I could always root against against the Cowboys. And I just traded C.D. Lamb to, to to Rich, who was in the comments earlier. So let's hope C.D. doesn't, you know. And now I'm actually now playing against him, so I traded players to the team that I'm playing against. So this would be really nice if C.D. has a ghost performance and Bill Belichick puts the clamps on him like he always seems to do with one player on the opposing team. The Arizona Cardinals are playing at the San Francisco 49ers. This line opens minus 14 and a half for this week. Been bet down to 14. Hard for me to ever play either one of these sides. I don't really think I want the Cardinals, even though they do look competitive, despite being horrendous. Uh, 49ers look like world beaters. But the spread's at 43 and a half. It opened at 42 and a half. And if you're asking a team to win by more than two touchdowns, like, and you're asking them to win by more than two touchdowns, if you're taking a minus 14, in order to win that bet, you need them to win by more than two touchdowns. So you could push on the 14, but what's that going to get you? Your money back. So you need them to win by more than two touchdowns in order for this to be uh, a bet worth it. When that's at a 43.5 in the total, it's just too, you're asking for too much in my mind. I would rather play the over 43 and a half instead of the 49ers if you like it. And I just wouldn't touch it. Uh, let me check the splits for that game real quick. Yeah, it, it, it opened at 42. It's at 43 and a half now. Uh, there's definitely strong money on the over in this spot. But that's kind of where I would go. If you like the 49ers, just play the over. They score 30 points in every game. We call them Brock 30 or 30 Brock, as someone nicely pointed out. It's a 30 Rock reference. Uh, Brock 30 is going to put up 30 points. It's just a matter of do the Cardinals put up 14 or, or 15 or 16 or 17. If they put up 17, they cover the spread. If they put up 14, you still hit the over. So that's really what this comes down to. I, I, I kind of recommend if you want to play that game, I don't. The over 43.5. Chiefs versus Jets. Mahomes' first time playing in New York at MetLife under the uh, big spotlights on a Sunday night game. Sad that we won't have Rodgers. And the betting splits just show that there's no Aaron Rodgers. 6% of the bets, 3% of the money on the Jets. There is nobody on the Jets. Nobody on the Jets. Let me repeat. There is nobody betting the Jets. Nobody. Uh, I guess 6% of the people. Um those are probably like diehard Jets fans who just do it every game. So with this much public handle and exposure on the Chiefs slide, it's just going to keep climbing. It probably gets to 10 or 10 and a half at a certain point. It opened at nine. It's gone to nine and a half. It's probably going to go to 10, 10 and a half at a certain point. Uh, it might not because then you're inviting buybacks on the other side. And that might be what people are just trying to do to push this line to 10.5. Uh, I can't play I can't play into these kind of splits. When there's 94% of the bets, 97% of the money, it shows you that bigger bets are on the Chiefs side, so generally you affiliate that with smarter money. But when have you ever seen 94% of people win a bet? Like when you fear find out that 94% of people are on that side of the bet, you should always think I want to go on the other way because that's why these sports books have million dollar billion dollar casinos in Vegas and you know, strips with fountains and all these games and they bring in so much money is because people generally lose their bets. And when 94% of the people are on a bet, it's generally a loss. Uh, in the totals, we are seeing this come down towards the under opens at 43 down to 42 and a half. I don't want to play an under on a chiefs game. I mean, I, I definitely understand playing an under on a jets game. The jets can't move the ball, but the chiefs can put up 48 themselves. We just saw them do it against the Bears. I don't think they're going to do it against this Jets team. So I do think it's a strong underspot for these two defenses, but that's too low of a number for me to bet an under on a Chiefs game. No, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. So I would stay as clear as this game as possible. I would look for props. I would look for DFS ankles and I would look to go play a showdown lineup in this game and take, you know, like maybe one Jet and four, four or five Chiefs. 
maybe like the Jets kicker and then all Chiefs on the other side and see how it goes for you. The Seahawks are playing the New York Giants. We have back-to-back spotlight games in MetLife. Uh, The Seahawks travel to New York, cross the country to take on the New York Giants. I'll have to find out and see if the Seahawks stayed in Detroit and then straight went back to the East Coast or they went all the way back to Seattle for their travel schedule. Strong money on the New York Giants Reverse line movement here because only 43% of the money is on that side. And it flipped from the Giants being a 1.5 home underdog to a minus 1.5 home favorite. So a lot of smart money on the Giants. I've watched the Giants this this season. I cannot bet on them. I've watched the Seahawks this season, and I actually feel good about them. So I like the Seahawks in this spot. I'm not going to probably play a contrarian angle on this Monday night game. Uh, There's strong money on the over but I don't have a bet. There hasn't been movement, but we see strong handle on the over. So I would lean towards an over spot, but can you really play the over in a Giants game when they don't have Saquon and like, who's going to be helping move the ball? Darren Waller has been the biggest bust in fantasy. Uh, It's really hard to play a Giants over right now. So it's just like, I don't really want that spot. It's a lot of spots that are showing to be the market side that I just don't want this week. And that would be another one of them. Seahawks is like one of the few spots that I would even consider playing contrarian. And the way to do this, this will segue great into the next part of this, is going from plus 1.5 should just raise alarm bells. This is a beautiful teaser leg. Grabbing this from plus 1.5 and boosting this up to the plus 7.5 inherently presents a lot of value as a Stanford Wong teaser leg. The other places that you can do this, and that's the last thing I wanted to do, is review the potential teaser legs that we have for this week. So the, uh, the Seahawks certainly present one. You cannot tease the Chiefs. Do not do it. Even if you see him at minus nine and you could bring it down to minus three, it is not worth it. There is no reason to tease a number relative to a nine. At that point, just play the money line for less return or just play the spread and just hope to still cover. Uh, I feel the same way about the the Cardinals 49ers game. If you're teasing that in any direction, you're inherently losing so much value and paying for points that does not matter. Uh, The Cowboys... Patriots minus seven, you could angle that bringing the Patriots down to a, I mean, bringing the Cowboys down to a minus one could kind of fit a Wong teaser. Uh, You're moving off the seven and through the three. However, since we're seeing this line come to 6.5 in a bunch of places, not go up to 7.5, it's not going to provide the same type of value for a teaser leg. So I don't love taking the Cowboys, although they might kind of fit the bill. Um, Let's see. The Eagles we previously mentioned are definitely a Stanford Wong teaser leg. You could bring that minus eight down to a minus two. Uh, The Tennessee Titans, you could bring that plus 2.5. He's at up six points. You're moving through the three. You're moving through the seven. You're grabbing a home underdog and a game trending towards the under. That Tennessee Titans potential teaser leg looks very valuable. Correlate all those angles. Home underdog. A coach who's downright amazing against the money line as an underdog 65% outright wins as a dog and now you get him as a plus 8.5 when the game total has come down from 44 to 41 and a half with Joe Burrow's uncertainty and injury that is a very valuable teaser like it just inherently carries value no matter how you feel about it Rams plus 1.5 and jumping that up to the plus 7.5 also holds value you know the Colts are the sharp side of that game and the over is the sharp side of that game. So generally going away from the sharp side and going opposite the total correlated value is not the most valuable. I would look at the Baltimore Ravens going from plus 2.5 up to plus 8.5 as another very valuable spot. Same thing here. Same exact thing. Divisional game, less scoring, grabbing them. From 2.5 in a line that hasn't moved, pushing them up to 8.5 when the total went from 44.5 down to 41. Lots of movement towards the under in the total. So juice up the underdog in a divisional game. That holds a lot of value. Uh, Taking the Buffalo Bills, if that line's still at a 2.5, you actually take the Dolphins plus 2.5 and boost them up to plus 8.5. That would classify as a Wong teaser. I don't love doing that. because I'm on the Buffalo Bills on that side. So I just, it plays against the market angle, plays against the over movement to, to take a juiced underdog. The 
Falcons, if this line does move to 2.5, if it moves off the three and gets to that 2.5, then I would forego playing the spread, and then I would put that 2.5 in a teaser. Again, these are the Stanford Wong teaser legs. You move through the three, you move through the seven. We also know the four and the six are relatively important too, so you get those as well. And by moving between these spots, you are obtaining positive expected value on your ticket just by going through these numbers and paying. If you're stacking two teaser legs together, you should be paying minus 120. And if you're stacking three teaser legs together, you should be receiving a plus 160. So the best place to do these teaser legs are at DraftKings. I just went through those odds with the DraftKings lines. So the teaser legs that I spoke about were directly from DraftKings. The reason to do it on DraftKings is because they offer the best odds. So they offer a minus 120 for a two-team teaser and a plus 160 for a three-team teaser. I'm not sure what FanDuel's offering for a three-team teaser, but I know they're offering one th- minus 134 on the two-team. So that's just like, you can't, you cannot play that. Uh, I'm going to take a few minutes and hang out here. We just went through every game on the slate. Hope you guys learned a few things. I hope we're reinforcing some of these things that should become innate as you approach the sportsbook market. I hope that you guys were able to latch on to some of these best bets. Drop questions in the comments if you have any. I will hang out for another five minutes and try and run through any questions. Again, the best bets so far, I will just call them out. Lions Packers over 45 is one unit. Falcons plus three at no big plus 100, one unit. Steelers Texans over 40.5, half a unit. Browns Ravens under 44.5, 44.5, one unit. Uh, Titans plus 1.5, half a unit. Titans Bengals originally under 44 for three quarters of a unit. Then I saw that reverse line movement happening. I opened up a positive middle with 1.25 units on the over 42 and a half. I have that 44 as a nice middle right there. And then the Bills minus 2.5 for a full unit. The Patriots game, I split up a unit into various bets. Patriots plus seven is half a unit. Patriots money line plus 260 is quarter of a unit. And Patriots under 43.5 is one third of a unit. I will make sure all of that is posted. I will make sure to put everything in my gambling newsletter. You guys should be signed up for that. The fiddlepicks.substack.com. I send out a free newsletter three times a week with best bets. Market summaries, good content, free giveaways, you name it, it's in there, and we've been winning and dominating. Had a rough week two and three, but in general, we are up nearly four units on the season so far. That is a great start to three weeks. It puts us right on pace. I don't love to have one extraordinarily dominant week one and then follow it up with two rough week threes and four, uh, week two and three. Let's try and get back to our winning ways, but generally, we are um, seeing... Like the we are we are getting good returns. Uh, we are having a question come in. You're seeing Falcons plus three point five at minus one eleven. Grab it, grab it. That's definitely worth taking. In my opinion, I'm on the Falcons plus three at minus one ten. I talked about this earlier. I wasn't sure where this was going to bounce because I grabbed. Oh, I gra- I actually have the Falcons plus three at no vig plus one hundred. So I was unsure which way this was going to bounce. I knew the Falcons side was the side that I wanted to be on. I know that there's some sharp groups that I trust on this side already. I knew the Falcons have been the sharp side of the gambling minds for the last few weeks. So we are going to continue to back them. Um, So JB, go grab that plus 3.5 if you can. For teasers, have you had more success teasing underdogs versus favorites? Uh. Uh, last week I won the underdog one. I didn't win the favorites one. I don't really view it in those ways. I don't totally track the specific differences. I don't generally put underdogs in one teaser and favorites in another teaser. I just will start to pair. Let's talk about this. It actually presents for a good question, Stoney. How should you choose which teaser legs to pair together? If let's say you like three or four teaser legs and you're going to put them into two-leg teasers for minus 120. Now, I wouldn't recommend playing three and four-leg teasers. I wouldn't recommend just taking all three that you like and playing them in three. I would take them in a three-leg teaser for some exposure, and then I would round-robin them a little bit. But what specifically can we look at and strategically, how can we 
know which ways to pair up teaser legs together. Stoney, the trick is what is the start time of the games? Ideally, you want to pair teasers together that do not kick off at the same time. I could get into why. I think it's a little too nitty-gritty details for this. Just understand you have less variance and you have more flexibility by keeping the second leg of your teaser open through another kickoff window. You just have more variability to play off of it or do like if you have your win and then the market starts to move the other way and you're learning something, you could then play the money line the other way and lock in profit and sort of hedge it. So you have more hedge abilities when you play teasers with different start times to the kickoff. So that would be my biggest recommendation. If you're, it's not about, is it dog versus favorites? These numbers have, it's the same numbers. It's you're moving through the same points and they have the same correlated outcomes. So they present the same values going from plus 1.5 to plus 7.5 as it does to move from minus 7.5 to minus 1.5. The trick is to have teasers that don't start at the same time. Um, Did the Packers win or lose to the Saints last week? Oh, did the Packers win or did the Saints lose last week? Um, The Packers won. Let's give Jordan Love his props. Packers won, and also Derek Carr got hurt. So, yeah, I, I'm not. Yeah, they, when you're playing with a backup quarterback, and then like in on an away field, and the other team, you know why the Packers won that game? Stony was they did they really smart analytical thing of uh, going for the two when they were down 14, and then they ended up converting the two, and then winning with math because if you study the math and you know you have like a 51% chance of converting the two-point conversion, then you should actually try for it on the first attempt so that you can go for a game-winning field goal. And that's exactly what the Packers did. We will not get into how fucking stupid Josh McDaniels was with the way he kicked that field goal down eight when he was on like the 13-yard line on a fourth and four. That was the that was a fireable offense. That was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. So uh Mike says, never trust the Vegas zone. Never trust the Vegas zone. When you see a line priced at five, five and a half, it's buyer beware. The reason to play a line that's at five or five and a half is because you actually think that the key number should be three or seven or three or six. Because if you're playing that five, there's just whatever you're obtaining by beating the market is not really that valuable. And the market in itself is telling you, we have no fucking clue. Like, we don't know if it's a field goal or a touchdown game. We'll just slap it in the middle. So you're not obtaining value and you're getting mixed indicators from the market inherently by where the line is priced. So never trust the Vegas zone is the perfect way to put it. Uh, Alex Cohen says Packers are the home dogs. And yes, the Packers are home dogs on a short week Thursday. The Lions are pretty banged up. The Packers pretty banged up too, but... I think what we saw with the Packers is that they rested some players on the front end of the Sunday so that they were ready for Thursday. So we'll have to see. Like, I don't think Montgomery's playing for the Lions this week. Like, I know Amon Ra is still dealing with his turf toe. We know the receiver, Jameson Williams, is still suspended. So, like, we'll see if Josh, is Josh Reynolds hurt or what, what there's some players on the defense. CJ GJ is done for the year. So for these reasons, yeah, I mean, Packers seem like a nice home dog team to back. I'm on the over there. Um, but at the same time, I'm the the Lions are the market side for that game, so I'm not going to play into it. Um, does that wrap us up? I think that wraps us up. Let me quickly remind you guys a few things. One, I will be doing this every week on Tuesdays, starting at 8 p.m. If you would like me to do a different start time, I'm flexible, so let me know. Drop a comment in. Uh, But I hope to see you guys next week. Let me know if you have any questions for next week's games. We can hit those. I'm going to be doing DFS and Fantasy Podcast. We're going to be doing a DFS live stream tomorrow night for the Thursday night game. I'll be doing a live stream on Thursday for the Sunday slate. And then maybe I'll do a Saturday quick pod breaking it all down and doing any final reminders and final updates. Make sure you're following me on Twitter, the Fiddle Picks Twitter account, X account, because 
although I've been doing YouTube lives, I've been waiting on my podcast feed to go live. I've been waiting on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and YouTube and all those and Google Podcasts, whatever, Pandora, Stitcher, all of those platforms to simply give me the approval to be onto those platforms. And it came through. I'm allowed. <laughs> this content's safe for the airs. Um, so I will be launching my podcast platform publicly tomorrow. I put it a few places. Maybe you found it already. If you see it, please drop me a five stars and a review. Just know that all of these future shows, if you can't make a live stream, will be posted as a podcast at midnight after it's done. So when we are going to wrap up here tonight, I will make sure to uh, to rip this audio, put it on a pod, and put it on the podcast feed. So Wherever you prefer to listen, podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or you can keep visiting the YouTube page and come check out my stuff. So thank you guys for tuning in. Let's get back to our winning ways this week. We're a plus four units on the season, and we want to end this thing north of that 20-unit mark. Hope you guys will be tuning in with me throughout the season, throughout the rest of the week to do some fantasy stuff. And as always, peace out. <laughs>